your Bible, please open up to uh, John chapter 6. We read this yesterday in our Bible reading plans. We're pretty much going to be in John chapter 6 today for the most part. Hope you're all doing good on this Friday night. We're going to talk about Jesus, who's the bread of life today. I found this picture online. I thought it looked cool. I hope nobody's hungry. But it's John chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 26. So chapter 6, verse 26, and before this, just to recap what's happening is uh, Jesus just had a big crowd following him and they were all hungry and so Jesus had all of them sit down in groups and then his disciples had uh, a few a few fish a few a few loaves of bread and he's like just start giving out the food and the disciples gave out enough food for everybody and they still had baskets of food left over after that Jesus goes away from everybody he he leaves, he prays, and then they get on a boat to go somewhere else. Jesus walks on the sea, walks to the boat. They let him into the boat after they think he's a, he's a ghost. And he's in the boat, he's, he's with them. They get to the other side, and, and then the people on the other side are like, Jesus, what are you doing here? We weren't, we weren't expecting you here so fast. And then verse 26 Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So right away, the first, the first thing Jesus tells him is, you guys are following me because I fed you yesterday, because I, I, gave, I gave you something, something physical, because you, you were hungry and I, and I physically fed you. And he's, like, and he's saying, don't focus as much on, on that food. Don't focus so much on that one miracle that I did yesterday, but instead focus on, on, on the things that will give you everlasting life. Focus, focus on the things that you know, God himself is giving you through me. And in verse 28, they say, what should we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered to them and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So it seems like they go back to the same point. They're saying, what can we physically do to, to do the work of God? What do we physically need to do? And Jesus is, again, is trying to bring them out of that, saying, forget about the things that you see. Forget about the physical world. Like just believe in, in, in the one that God sent. Believe, you know, do something that, that, that you don't physically see. Put your focus on something that's not of this world. And it's like he's coming back to that point. And, and therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the, the manna in the desert. As it, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So again, they go back to the same exact point. They, they, they go back to saying, okay, you know, you have to do something. Perform some kind of miracle so, so we see something, so, so something happens, and then we'll believe in you, and then we'll know for sure that, 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 that you're like you know, Moses, our prophet, who, who brought manna into the desert. And Jesus is saying, hold on, hold on. Back to the same point. He's saying, Moses didn't give you that bread. God gave you that bread. He's saying, you guys are missing that whole point of what happened with the manna. It wasn't about the food. It was about the fact that God provided for Israel. That's the whole point of this. It wasn't that they weren't hungry because they ate. It was that they weren't hungry because God provided for them. Because God took care of them when, when nothing else could. And, and, and he's saying the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So it's as if he's saying, I'm that manna today that your ancestors were eating thousands of years ago and, and they didn't perish. He's saying, I'm the one who came. I'm the one who God sent to you today so that so that you can eat and so that you won't die so he's saying the same point for for the third time already and they keep coming back and then it seems like they finally get it then they said to him lord give us this bread always and then jesus says i am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day so again it's the same story they say okay Jesus give us this bread we we we, we get it where's this loaf of bread that we're supposed to eat so that we never die and he's saying and if he, if he wasn't clear before, now he's clear because he's saying, I am the bread of life. He's saying, I am that bread that you're looking for. I am that bread of life. Saying, whoever comes to me shall, shall, shall never hunger. He, he goes on this little mini sermon. He, he just tells it to them straight. He says, stop looking all around you. Stop searching for the miracle. Stop searching for, for, for all the things I do. Stop stop." having this burning desire to get healed stop 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 praying for revival i'm the one that you want more than anything i'm what you need more than anything else and and it seems like because they keep coming back to this point it seems like the only reason they're following jesus is because they saw him heal somebody is because you know he 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 fed them when when there was no food and he took the five loaves and two fish and multiplied it or or you know, he, he spit on the dirt and then rubbed it in someone's eyes and, and, and they could see. It seems like they're following him just for the miracles that he does. They're saying, you know, Jesus, because you perform uh, miracles, because we see signs, that puts you on the same level of, as, as Moses, that puts you on the same level of Abraham. You're a prophet of God. Congratulations. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm much more than Moses. I'm much more than Abraham was. I'm much more than your fathers were. He's saying, I am that bread i am that one that 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 was moving through moses i am that one that abraham was 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 talking to in the burning bush i am that one that's who i am and he keeps coming back to this point verse 41 
The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is, this, is, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he has says, I have come down from heaven? Then Jesus answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. And then he keeps going, and he's saying, most, and once again, he says, most assuredly in verse 47, He who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. I don't know how many times he repeats himself in those last verses. He says over and over, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I'm giving you life. I came down from heaven. God sent me. What are you searching for? He keeps saying this. He keeps saying this. And then after that, they quarreled among themselves and says, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So it's, it's like this feeling like when you're, talking to a, like a Jehovah's Witness or, or, or a Mormon or a Calvinist or any of these brainwashed people where it's, it's like you say something to them, you bring up a point, and it's as if they don't even hear that, and they just go back to their five points of salvation. It's like Jesus is talking to them. He's telling them straight. He's saying these things, and they're like, wait, how are we going to eat his flesh? It's like, hold on. You have to understand the first point before you can get the second point. You have to understand that He is the bread of life first and foremost. And, and you have to understand what that means. You have to understand the whole point of, 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 of this message that He's telling you. And, and, and the thing that, that stood out to me the most is this whole time, He's not talking to the Pharisees. He's not talking to the leaders, to, to atheists, to random people. He's talking to His disciples. And, and we'll, we'll see that as, as we read later on. He's talking to his own disciples, the people who follow him, the people that, that, that went from town to town because they're like, okay, Jesus is, is going to, to this town now. So they follow him there. He's going here. So they follow. These are his followers. You know, there's, there's people who love sports, you know, the, the really diehard fans. When their team travels somewhere, on a, they travel with the team. You know, if, if Seattle's playing against New York, they're taking a plane ride to New York and they're going to be there at the game. They're, they're followers. They're, they're disciples of that team. And that's what these people were. They were followers of Jesus. Everywhere he went, they went with him. They followed him. They're like, okay, what city is he going to? What, what, what's he going to do next? They left their houses. They left their jobs. They left everything. And they followed him. And, and my question is, how can his disciples be so stubborn? And, and not listen to the words that he's saying. And then, and then after that, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, then Jesus said to, him, to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. 
and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And... You know, to the defense of these people, Jesus isn't really making it clear what he's talking about. Because he's making it sound like, hey, you guys have to eat my flesh. Like, you know, here's my arm. Somebody take a bite. Like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I can understand how they will might be a little bit confused because of that. And then verse 60, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to to them, Does this offend you? And what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would betray them. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So Jesus keeps speaking to them in a language they don't understand. He keeps saying things to them that he knows they won't understand and it says jesus knew from the beginning who those that won't believe are so he's looking at the at at this crowd of of people who are following him who are his disciples he knows that hey if i say this next sentence most of them are going to leave and he says it and then most of them leave and the question is why You know, the way we learn in America on how to build the church, how to have a successful ministry is the complete opposite of what Jesus is doing. Because the way to build a successful church is to not push people away. And and, and to do the opposite, actually to bring them in. And and, 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 and to call, you know, the more, you know, the better, the, the, the bigger the church, the more successful it is, the more tithe money you'll receive every Every, every, every week, the bigger building you'll be able to have. Jesus is doing the complete opposite of what you should do to have a successful church. From how we're taught and, and, and what we see here in America. But for some reason, he makes this decision. He says, in his mind, he's like, okay, I know they're going to leave, but I'm going to say it anyways. And he says it. And says, from that time, many of his disciples went back. And then Jesus says to the twelve, do you also want to go away? the 12 disciples and but Simon Peter answers him ans- answered him lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life also we have come to believe and know that you are the christ the son of the living god now it seems like this is the difference right here cuz the 12 disciples didn't know what he was talking about either they didn't understand it they they're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm not going to eat his flesh. I'm not drinking his blood. This is weird. But Peter's saying, where, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the difference that the 12 disciples realized that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the only thing that kept them there. They heard the same exact message. They heard the same exact sermon. They were there on the same exact Sunday listening to, to, to Jesus' sermon. And everybody left, but they stayed. Because they realized that, hey, he is the son of the living God. He's not just a prophet. He's not just Moses. He's not Abraham. He's not Elijah. He's Jesus. He's different. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. There's something about him that wasn't in the, the prophets that, that we've heard of, the prophets that, 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 that wrote these, these, these books that we've been living off of and believing in. There's something different about Jesus. He's not just a prophet, and that's what kept him in. And this whole story is has a lot of little hidden moments. And as as I as I was reading it again last night, and then and then today, the more I read it, the more I see that there is so many situations that I catch myself in sometimes, or or I've been in in the past through 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 my walk with with God and. There are so many moments where, where, where God would say something that just didn't make sense. And you're thinking, you're like, God, I can't do this. This is just weird. And, but somewhere inside of you, you know that he's God. I don't understand why. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how it's going to work, but he's God. And he's never failed before. I don't think he's going to start now. It's like, and and you, you find that place in yourself where you're like... You're God. I have to listen to you. I can't do anything else. Where else am I going to go? Where Nothing in this world can satisfy me. Where If I go in this world, I'll eat of it, and then I'll be hungry again, and then I'll want more of it, and I'll want something else, and I'll chase something else. It's like there's nothing that, that'll satisfy you in this world. And you come back to this place, you're like, okay, God, I, I don't know how, but I'll be obedient to you. And there was a, even, even a situation that this Wednesday, I had a, I had a photo shoot to do, and, and, and Ksusha was there to help me because I don't know how the hair is supposed to look on the girls and all these things. I, I don't know these things. So she was there, and then as, as we're waiting for, for the people to arrive, this random guy just comes to us, and he's like, oh, how'd you become a photographer? I'm like, I'm not a photographer. I'm just a guy with a camera. And, 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 and he starts asking me these questions about, about, uh, about all these things, and, and then he's like, well, what was your coolest experience of photography? And it's like there for a split second, I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I just talk about photography right now, I failed as a Christian. I don't know. I just, it's like, it's like you, you, you have that feeling inside where you're like, if I just stay on this topic right now and he's going to walk away, I'm going to feel like a loser afterwards. And I'm like, the coolest experience was probably when I was in Africa. I had my camera with me. And then, and then, and then, and then I, I tell him a little bit about Africa and, and he's like, he's like, you know, he start. I don't know if he's a Christian. I, he, he's like, you know, well, it's important to, to, you know, not just be caught up in this world. And I, I don't know why, but I remember cutting him off. And I'm like, yeah, life here in America is, is, is ridiculous. I'm like, we have everything. We have all these things, and we're always chasing everything. We're running after all these things. It's like I go to Africa, and all these people are happy. And they, some of them, I don't even know if they have water at home. They have like one light bulb that plugs in that sometimes the city just shuts down the electricity and we're eating chicken in the dark. You know, if it's even chicken. We, I hope it was chicken. I don't know what we were eating half those days. 
Nobody knows what it was, but <laughs> but these people are happy. And I'm thinking, I'm like, they don't even have an iPhone. How can he be happy? And it, we have all these things. We have all these things, and we're like, you know, we got to work more. We got to get this. 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 And it's like they're happy, and for some reason, it's like we're kind of happy, but we're not really happy. We're happy sometimes. We're happy once we buy something that we need. Then we're like, oh, God, everything's great. I'm going to praise him. And then we're like, oh, but we need this too. And then we're back to not being happy again, and, and we're doing But there they have nothing, and they're happy. And I told him, I'm like, that's, that's, that was the coolest experience in photography. And he's, like, and he's like, you know, I remember my parents said the same thing about Brazil. He's like, they're like, he said, the people don't have anything, and, and they're just happy. And then, and then we had to go already to move on with the thing. I gave him my business card, and I'm like, here's my phone number. Call me if you're ever in Bothell. I go to a Ru Russian church, but we speak English. I don't know. I'm like, here's my phone number. Call me. And he's like, he's like I'd, I'd love to have coffee with you sometime. And I'm like, okay, here's my number. I don't know. And it's these little things where it's like, It's that same thing where I'm like, it's, I, I want to just talk about photography and this guy, he's a little bit goofy looking. I just want him to go away. That, that's, what was, that's what my initial thought was. My initial thought was, I don't want to talk to him right now. I'm sitting here. It's nice and sunny. I just want to enjoy my couple of minutes here before I have to start you know, working and doing something. And that was my initial thought. But then somewhere inside you hear that voice of God and he's just saying, don't do that. He's like, You're, you will fail as a Christian right now. You will fail as, 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 as my son. You will fail as my disciple, my follower, whatever. Fill in the blank. You, you'll, you'll fail right now. And, and it, it seems like it's the same moment that, that, that they kept going through. They kept saying, you know, where's this bread? Where's this bread? Where's something in the physical? At one point, they're like, okay, we want to we do the works of God, they said. You know, what, what can we do to do the works of God? And he's like, you still don't get it. He's like, it's not just about doing something. It's not just about going and feeding the hungry. It's not just about clothing people that don't have clothes and, and doing all these things. It's not just about that. He's saying, I am the bread of life. I'm what you want. You're hungry because you keep serving in, in, in your synagogues because you keep serving, you keep doing all these things, but you still don't have satisfaction inside of you. He's like, you guys are hungry. You guys are searching for answers so desperately because you don't have fulfillment in your life because you keep searching. You're like, okay, I'll go help this old lady. And then, you know, M M Moses said to, 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 to take care of these people and, 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 and to do this. And we're doing it and we're still not satisfied. And, and Jesus is saying, this is why you're not satisfied because you're not getting it. It's not about doing stuff. It's not about just working, 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 and then God will love you and He'll bless you in your life. It's not about that. He's saying, I am the bread. I'm what you want. You're hungry and you keep searching for something to eat and you keep eating cheeseburgers and you keep eating McDoubles and that's not what you need. You need bread. You need something, the bread of life, and that's what I am. That's, what, that's why I'm here on this earth. It seems like he's just saying the same thing over and over and over again and they keep coming back. But how, are we, how can we eat your flesh? Hold on. So what works can we do to get saved? Where is this bread? Okay, give us this bread. Where is it? Is it in one of those baskets that we had yesterday left over? Where is it? Where is the bread? It's like, there, it's like there was a block in their mind, and they just couldn't accept that, hey, I just need to believe this guy. I don't, they, it's like they couldn't get to the point where they're like, hey, I actually don't need to do anything right now. I physically don't need to do anything. I just need to believe him, and that's it. And that's what he even said. He said, if only you would believe in me, He, he, he says, if you, 
He says, if you come to me, you shall never hunger. And if you believe in me, you shall never thirst. It's, it, he's saying these two things. He says, if you come to me, you won't be hungry. And if you believe in me, you'll never thirst. So it's like these two things, like come to Jesus and believe in him. They did the first one. They came to him. They're where he is, but they didn't do the second. They didn't believe. And he's saying, that's all you need to do. Just don't do. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out, you know, we'll go through through casting out demons course later we'll go through a healing course later i'll we'll figure all that out you'll be filled with the spirit i'll teach you i'll show you how all that's done right now you just need to believe in me you just need to believe that i'm the son of god you just need to believe that hey tomorrow you might have a sword to your neck and you just need to stay faithful to me and and that's all you need to do that's all you need to do you just need to trust in me that i know what i'm doing you just need to give your life over to me just put put your trust in me and that's it that's all you need to do right now then later we'll figure out what mission trip you need to go on. We'll figure out what ministry you need to be a part of. We'll figure out what instrument you need to play, whatever. What city you need to go to preach in. First and foremost, you need to figure out that I'm God. God's not just up there and, and, and I'm a prophet speaking. I'm God. I came to this earth. That's who I am. Saying that's the first point. That's what they didn't seem to understand. And like I said, the scary thing was is this was the disciples. These were, these were, I believe, that some of them were in, the, in, the, in those 72 disciples that he sent out to go preach, possibly even. He said, he said, 72 of you, okay, you go two by two, go to these cities and go preach. And they went and preached, and they saw all these amazing, amazing things, and they came back, and they're like, Jesus, we did all these amazing things. And Jesus is like, do you believe in me? Do you believe that I'm the Son of God? Wait, 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 hold on. But Jesus, we did all these amazing things. We healed. We, we told people, and they believed. And he's like, that's great. Do you believe in me? He's like, are you getting the main point? Do you understand? He's like, you're doing these things. Yes, that's not what's important. Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I'm God? Do you believe that, that I'm God in the flesh right now? You know, and what's interesting is the book of John, the, the thing that separates the book of John from the first three Gospels is the first three Gospels, primarily they, they focus on Jesus being a person. They focus on Jesus being a man. You know, he was born to Mary. He was, he was doing all these things as a child. The book of John, even, all the scholars even say that the book of John, the things that makes it so special is that it puts the most emphasis on Jesus being God. It puts the most emphasis on Jesus being God. This story is not even in any of the other three Gospels. It's only in the book of John. And there's other stories that show that Jesus was God and they're only in the book of John. And... I don't know why it's like that. I know it was written 30 years after the first gospel, which was Mark. And maybe after 30 years of, of reading the other three gospels, John's like, those Mark, Matthew, and Luke, they forgot all these details. I have to write my own book to fill in the blanks because they, they forgot all these things. If, if it wasn't for the book of John, we would all assume that Jesus' ministry only lasted one year. Did you know that? It would only last one year because in the first three gospels, there's only one Passover that they go through. And that's it. In the book of John, we see three Passovers, and that's how we know we're like, hey, Jesus' ministry actually lasted three years because they went through three Passovers. And the other books is just the one where, where it was the one, I, I believe, in some of the books, they have the one before Jesus died and the one where Jesus died, that Passover celebration. So the book of John, it's, it's, it's a lot of emphasis that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He was fully man and he was fully God. And... It was written in a very, in a, I don't know the right way to say it, but it was written originally in a very artistic way. It wasn't written to scholars. It wasn't, it wasn't written like, you know, the most 
highly educated per, like the book Luke Luke was a doctor Luke was very educated Luke Luke was originally written like very sophisticated it, it was it was written to to the Gentiles in Greek who were very smart who knew all these things the book of John was written like somebody who just who loved to tell stories somebody somebody who wrote these things about about Jesus and he decided to put emphasis on Jesus being God Jesus being God and I know in my life it seems like I forget that sometimes. I, I, I remember that he's fully human and he's fully God, yes. But it's, it, sometimes you read about all these stories that Jesus did and you're like, how did a person do this? How did a person possibly do all these things? How did, how, how did he sleep? You know, in the day he's serving, at night he's praying. It's like, when does he have time to sleep? And, and I'm sure he did sleep sometime because if the Bible says he was fully human, I believe it that he was fully human, but... There was an aspect of him where he was God in the flesh. He was, he was God that came down. And our minds can't understand that because we think we're like, wait, if God is up there, how is he here? And then there's the Holy Spirit. How is he in three places at once? And our mind doesn't understand this. I remember at Guys for Strength one time we watched how we see 3D, you know, 3D, two dimensionals like this. That's it. You have one dimension. 3D is like all around. And then God is on his own dimension where we don't even know how He's there and here and there and everywhere at the same time. But it says that Jesus was fully God. He was, he, was, he, was, he was God in flesh. It says that the Word became flesh. It says the Word became flesh. The Word of God, all, all, all the prophets' books, everything, the, the books of Moses, it became a person. It says it's, it's, it's right here, standing here, and he's trying to drive this point across over and over and over. He's saying, I'm God. I'm not a prophet. Don't put me like Moses. He's like, if you, if you think I'm like Moses, if you think I'm like Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, your ancestors, you're missing it. You're already missing it. That's the first detail you, you, you have to get, and you're getting it wrong. And if you don't get this one point, you can't do anything to, to please God. You can't do anything. You can't serve enough to the point where God says, okay, you're a good person. Now you can go to heaven. It's, if you don't get that first point where Jesus was God himself, he came here. And the reason these words are read is because he wasn't just a prophet. When we read the book of Isaiah, his words aren't red. They're black. They're black. Jeremiah, black. Daniel, black. Jesus, red. There's something that's different about him. He wasn't just a prophet. He, he, was, he was God himself and he came and and, 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 and when he says that, that this flesh will be given to them so that they can have life, obviously we understand that he's saying that I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to physically die for them to be saved. But, and he's saying this to them and they don't understand. And he's just saying, if you would realize that I'm God, even if you don't understand what I'm saying, you would still follow me and you wouldn't leave right now. He's saying, just if you, if, 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 if you would believe that, that, that I'm God himself, even when you don't understand anything, even when you're confused, even when you're pushed into a corner, even when you don't know what to do, you would stay faithful to God. You would stay faithful to him. But since you don't realize that, there's, there's no point of me even trying to communicate with you. And that's why it says he knew that they would leave him. They knew that they, that they, that they would turn away and he says it anyways and that's what happens. It's because he says, you don't even understand that I'm God. I've repeated myself over and over and over and over again. In the past 15 minutes, you still don't understand. And if you, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you can be my disciple. How's that for you? 
And then they leave because they're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. And a turning point I saw in these disciples, a turning point is in, in verse, let's see, it's somewhere in between, in verse 52. Before that, when the people would refer to him, they would say, Jesus, they would say, Lord, they would say, you know, how do we do the works of God? You know, aren't you Jesus? Aren't you Lord? And in verse 52, when they argued, they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So it's even with this, with this, with this one sentence, even with this one phrase, just like that, they put Jesus into question. Just like that, they put God into question. They said, how can this man? At this point, they didn't call him Lord. They didn't say, how can this Jesus offer to us? How can, how, how, how can this prophet offer? They said, how can this man? So it's, 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 it's almost like this turning point in their heart where they put God under the question and they said, something's fishy with you. I don't understand what you're saying. You're doing something wrong. It's, they put him under question. They... They, they, they rejected him with this one sentence. They already rejected him even before they left. They were still with him. They, they were still there as, as they listened, but they already put him under question. They already started to, to, to doubt him. And they, don't, and they didn't call him Lord anymore. They said, how can this man? Then he says, how, you know, what are you doing? What are you, you know, you grew up in the city. We know your dad. We know your mom. We saw you growing up. We saw you when you were a kid. How can this man say that we need to eat his flesh to have, to, to have eternal life? They, 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 they casted doubt on Jesus. They, they, they put him under question. And, and it's with this phrase where there's very few people that come back from this moment. Where they put God under question and then... God somehow miraculously is, is merciful to them, forgives them, and, 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 and they're back in church. And, and like I said, this whole time, these are his disciples. You know, this is, this is his church. And even after this phrase, they still remained with him for some time. They were still with him. And why I'm putting emphasis on that is because I don't want us to get the impression that if we're in church, we're not these disciples. I don't want us to get the impression that, hey, if we're in church, then we're the real followers of Christ, and we're the real deal, and we're the real people. Because these were his disciples, these were his followers, these were the people that went and preached, these were the people that went and did all these things when, when, when Jesus sent them out, and they're the same ones that put God under question, and they're, and they're the same ones that left him. Because they never accepted him as Lord, and that's what we see in churches today. We see people that come, Every Sunday, we see young people that come every Friday. They're here. They're, they're doing something. They're serving somewhere. But they're always putting God under question. They're saying, God, I want to go chase this. And when somebody tells them that, hey, you need to pray about this. Maybe this isn't the will of God. I've gone through this before. I can tell you it's not going to end pretty. And you're going to have a lot of regrets. And if you're lucky, you might come back. And, there, and, it's, and it's like at that moment, you know, God gives, gives you wisdom and you say something and they put you under question. And when they're doing that, it's not that they're putting you under question. It's they're putting the truth that you're speaking to them under question. 
And when, and when they're doing that, they're doing the same thing that Jesus' disciples did here. They're putting him under question. They're saying, what do you mean I can't chase my own dreams? What do you mean I can't have my own ambitions? What do you mean I can't do these things that I want to do? What do you mean this is sin? And, and, and they're putting God under question. And, and, and we've seen so many people fall because of this thing where, where they were in church, they were here, but they never accepted that, hey, He's Lord. He is Lord over my life. He can do whatever He wants. He can say whatever He wants, and I can't get offended, and I can't leave, and I just have to stay with Him because he's, he's Lord. He's done so much in my life already. Where can I go? And that's where we see a lot of Christians fall. Or maybe at some point they, they accepted this. They said, Jesus, you're Lord. Okay, we'll follow you. We'll go after you. You know, as long as you keep giving us stuff, as long as we keep seeing signs, as long as we keep seeing wonders, as long as we keep seeing miracles, we're with you. But as soon as Jesus turns around and says, hey, now it's your turn to do something. You know, I've been doing all these miracles for you. You've been following me. I've called you. You've done all these things. But at one moment, he's going to turn around to every person and he's going to say, okay, it's time for you to do something. Do you believe me that I'm Lord over everything? Do you, do you really believe that I can do whatever I want in your life and, 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 and you're okay with it? Do you, do you trust me like that? Do you, are you on that level with me? And that's the moment where we see a lot of Christians kind of like, uh, I don't know, this is difficult. I, I don't really understand this. This is a hard saying. I don't know if I can go along with this. And that's why we see people, they come into church, they're on fire, they're, they're in every ministry, they're doing all these things, they're, they, they have that first love burning inside of them, and they're, and they're crazy, and they're, and, they're, and they're everywhere at the same time, at every single meeting, at every single prayer, they're everywhere, in every practice, in, in every single ministry, somehow they're there. And then some time passes on, and then they kind of start to cool down, and they're like, I don't know about this. I don't know, I've, I've tried doing all these things, I've tried reading the Bible, I've tried praying for some time every day, and, and I, I've tried being in these ministries, but something is just, I don't know, it just, it doesn't satisfy me. Some, there's, I'm still not satisfied from, from church life. And, and you try to explain, it's like because the satisfaction is not in church life. Because there is no satisfaction in in, 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 in being on a worship team. There's no satisfaction in preaching. There's no satisfaction in coming to home group every week. There's no satisfaction in that at all. There's nothing in that, that won't give you anything. That'll give you emotions maybe when you're excited to be a Christian. It'll give you emotions, but that's it. Because the, the satisfaction comes when Jesus becomes Lord over your life. That's when it all becomes satisfaction because you're not just doing it because, hey, somebody told me that a good Christian does this and that's why I'm doing it. You know, that's why we see so many people leave is because they come, they get excited, they're fired up, they're reading the word, they're getting some kind of revelation and they're sharing it, they're speaking and you listen to them and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is cool. But is Jesus Lord over your life? It's like, I went to school today. I told this one guy about Jesus and he was like, no, you're crazy. And I, and I stayed on my ground and, I was, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Why are you still chasing your dreams though? Why do you still have this dream to, to move to this weird state and, and, and go to this weird college and have this weird career? Why? And it's like, a, 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 and, and the result is always like, hey, I thought I'm doing the right thing. And their question is like, okay, okay, so what do I actually need to do to, to be okay with God? And it, it's the same situation that his disciples, it's like, okay, what are these works? To, what are the works of God? What do we need to do? 
And you're saying, it's the same situation. You're saying, no, no, it's not about the works. It's not about doing. You can be in every ministry. It's not going to save you. It's not going to save you. What's going to save you is, 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 is when you see God and you say, God, I'm going to go after you no matter what. And, and, and you latch onto Him. You grab on and that's it. And, and, and you're in there for the easy moments, for the difficult moments, when you, when you feel Him, when you don't feel Him, when you see Him move, when you don't see Him move, when you see miracles in your life, when you don't see miracles in your life, when you're getting healed, when you're not getting healed for months and years and years and years and you're still not healed. When you just latch on and you said, you know what, I, I said I'm going to stay faithful to the end. And I'm just going to keep going. And that's where you find satisfaction. And that's where you find satisfaction. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You're hungry. You're chasing all these things. You're going here and you're not satisfied. Why? Because I'm the one that you want. I'm what you're looking for. I, I, you know, I'm that piece of the puzzle that fits in your heart. Nothing else can be shoved in there. I'm the, I need that position in your heart. And that's what he's saying to us today. And just one more place in Scripture I wanted to go to is Second Timothy. I read this last Friday when I, when I was leading one of the prayers a marathon, but now that I can speak English and actually portray what my brain wants to say, I can actually get the point across better. And it's Second Timothy chapter three. It says, "But know this that in the last time." Last days, perilous times will come. Then it says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Now, I want to ask you something. Now, all these traits that you see that you see listed here are these things that you see going on around you right now. Okay, now let me ask you another question. Are these things that always happened outside of the church through these 2,000 years that the church was alive? Okay, so my question is, why does Paul specifically say in the last days this is what's going to happen? It started then, those the last days. It's been 2,000 years of the last days. You know, why, you know why I think Paul wrote this? I think he wrote that in the last days this will happen. And then at, at, in verse 5, he's listing all these things. And then he says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I think he's saying this because you know the last days are coming when these traits are in the people that are inside the church. People that have a form of godliness. People that tell others that they're Christians, but they're selfish, but they're godless, but they're un, unthankful, unholy, unloving, disobedient to parents. He, it feels like he's saying when you see this in the people that call themselves Christians, then you know it's the last days. Then you know that Jesus is about to come. And that's what we're seeing today. Like never before, it's inside the church. We see, we see whole church movements thousands and thousands and thousands of people that preach that message that hey just do whatever you want god loves you and you're going to go to heaven when you die it's the church it's the supposed bride of christ and and there's these movements that are saying god loves you or god wants you to be rich or god actually wants you to be poor he wants you to have absolutely nothing and, and you're just supposed to suffer every day of your life and never have any enjoyment and you're supposed to be depressed every day and that's how you're a real christian we see extremes of both sides. We see everything that possibly can happening in the church today. And we see these traits in the church, that, in, in, inside the church, in the, in the people that go to church, in the pastors. Uh, 
of those churches. And that's what's scary. And that's what's scary. And we're not talking about anybody specific here, but just in general, that's what we're seeing today. Saying having a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They're saying, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm following Jesus because he's doing all these crazy things, but I don't want him to be Lord over my life. I still want to do the things that I like. I remember one time I was listening to this sermon that, and there was this pastor that he was preaching and then he started saying something about the Sabbath day and he's like, he's like, I don't regard Sunday as the Sabbath day for me because I'm working so much on Sunday. I'm a pastor. I have to wake up early in the morning. I have to pray. I have to prepare for the sermon. I have to preach the sermon. Then after church, I'm going to somebody's house. Sunday is the most hectic day for me. It's not a Sabbath day of rest. He's like, so I like to take my day of rest on Monday. He's like, so on Monday, I shut my phone off. I don't receive any phone calls. I don't talk to anybody. I don't have anything to do with ministry at all. I just rest. I go to a movie, and I, and I, just, I just rest from, from ministry. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, why? Why? You think that one Monday, that one day of rest is going to help you keep going in the long run? He's like, that Monday is not going to help you. Eventually, it's going to be Monday and Tuesday. You need, you know, God didn't actually mean just one day. You know, there has to be a balance of rest and work. And then at one point, it'll be you have six days of rest and just Sunday for work. And that's the sad thing. That's what we see is, is Christians that say, I'm a Christian. I like God, and, and I'm worshiping God. But as I lift my hands on stage, my hand's covered in tattoos. And I'm okay with it because... Jesus had a tattoo on his thigh or, you know, or even if he didn't have a tattoo, it's okay, you know. So, because there's Christians that try to find an explanation to all their laziness and to all their watered-down gospels. And then there's Christians that don't even care about finding an explanation. They're like, well, God's okay with it, whatever. Even if he's not, then, well, whatever. We're still saved. He loved us. He loves us. And that's why I think Paul was putting the emphasis on, on this, especially that last verse where he says, having a form of godliness. Because these people always existed. They were there since the days of, of, of Noah when God destroyed the earth. They were, they, they, they were there in, in, you know, after the church was established with, with Rome, with, with, you know, when, when Alexander the Great roamed the earth, when, when, when Egypt was, was a thing. These qualities were always there in people. Even before Jesus came, these qualities were in people. But what we're seeing now is that more and more they're inside the church. And they're taking over. And that's why we're talking about that, that great Christianity that we see where they mix the, the purity of God with the sin of this world. And they mix it together and you get this nasty gray color that God isn't pleased with and God doesn't want. What God wants is a, is a pure bride, is, is, a, is a bride that says, Jesus, I love you and only you and that's it. You're my Lord. I, I trust you. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to stay faithful to you, and nothing, nothing will ever come between us, and nothing will be able to separate us from your love. You know, that's what he's waiting for. That, that's what he wants from every single one of us to, 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 to look at him and to say that today and to say, God, I'm not going to chase my, my dreams anymore. I'm, I'm done chasing my dreams. I want your dreams. I want what you want to do because I know it's greater than anything I can do, and it's, and it's more amazing than anything I can come up with. Amen. And, and in, uh, in, in Psalms 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
you know, taste and taste and see that the Lord is good. And with that thought, I just want us to stand right now and we're just going to begin to pray and we're just going to begin to to uh, to cry out to God and just maybe even dedicate our lives to him again, maybe make a promise to him, maybe maybe reaffirm a, a promise that we've made in the past and and we failed on. I think you each you know you 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 can you can hear God's voice in your heart. He he's he's speaking something to you right now. He's telling you, he's leading you in some direction and and whatever it is, I just want us as we pray just to just to accept whatever God's saying. If he's if he's telling you even to come out to the front to 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 publicly just proclaim that you want to go after him, you can you can do that right now. If he's if he's tugging on your heart right now, if he's if he's calling you out of of of, of some sin that you've taken part of, you just need to make that decision right now. If he's tugging on your heart and he's and and he's placed a calling on your life and you know what you need to be doing but but like Jonah you've been running away and you've been ignoring him right now is the moment where where you can say God I just want you to be Lord over my life God I I don't want to search for anything else for, to, to, to satisfy me God I want you God I want you God more than anything else right now I want you God and let's just begin to pray if you haven't already let's just let's just lift up our voices and let's just let's just speak to God right now Just just personally, let's just speak to God right now.